0: Hey there movie fans, it's time for Collider videos for your consideration from now until the Academy Awards on April 20th. 5th. We are going to be tracking the ups, the downs, the ins and outs of award season. And who better to join me on Collider FYC, my two co-hosts as always, we have the amazing Perry Nemiroff. Hey Perry, welcome back to Collider FYC.
1: What's up, man? You brighten my day. (laughs) Right back at you and right here to
0: bring us back down to reality is the ultimate contrarian, the mighty Jeff Snyder. Are you ready to rock and roll, Jeff?
2: Yes, let's do it, Scott. I'm excited.
0: Okay, well, on this show, we are going to track the just announced Writers Guild Award nominations. We're going to do our own predictions for the Writers Guild, or for the screenplay nominations. And then we are going to get into our predictions for Best director. But right now let's start with the WGA nominations for original screenplay. We have Judas and the Black Messiah, Palm Springs, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of the Chicago Seven. Perry, let's start with you. What do you think of these nominations? Any surprises here?
1: It's tough to say whether there are surprises or not because of the ineligibility rules with the wga it's like when i see a list like this and certain personal favorites like minari are not in the mix or you know maybe let's say soul i get all disappointed and i'm thinking to myself these are all wrong this isn't the right group here but those are the rules that the guild abides by so I don't necessarily think that the WGA nominations are that much of an indicator, or at least compared to other guilds, as far as what's going to wind up getting an Oscar nomination. I don't think any animated movies are eligible, actually. So Soul was never even in contention to begin with, which, you know, when you're thinking about the best original screenplay of a given year is kind of criminal to me.
0: I I completely agree with that. There's no reason why Soul should not be included in this list. Jeff, what's your take on... The nominations and just on the eligibility, the the omission.
2: Well, the Writers Guild Awards gives awards to Writers Guild members. So someone like Jack Fincher, he could have been in the Writers Guild. I mean, I know he was a newsman, but in all likelihood, was probably not a member of the Writers Guild, which is why Mank isn't, you know, included in in, the, in these uh, nominees. Um, I, so yeah, I don't think that these are typically um, terribly like predictive of the Oscar nominees, but I do think that. At least in the original screenplay category, Judas and the Black Messiah got a little bump off this announcement. It came out on HBO Max this past weekend. A lot of people have been watching it, and I've definitely seen a lot of rave reviews for that film. Um, so I, I think that this sort of bolsters its awards chances this season.
1: Can I ask you guys a question about the guilds real quick? Because, you know, I know very general uh, information about the WGA and some of the others. Is is there a reason that you think this becomes more of an issue when it comes to the WGA and the screenplay awards versus let's say, I don't know, PGA or DGA, like why, why is this an issue that's happening here more so than anywhere else? That's a great question, Jeff.
2: I think it's tougher to get a a WGA card. Like, you know, all you need is a line in in a show or a movie and and you get a SAG card, right? But you can't just write a line of a movie, you know, you gotta, you gotta write the whole thing. So um, I, I think it's just tougher that you know that kind of thing. That, that a lot of filmmakers, like Lee Isaac Chung, he may not have been a member of the Writers Guild when Minari was written. Well, the thing about the bump that Judas and the Black Messiah
0: got, you know, I rewatched the movie just last night, and I mean, I think it's fantastic, and I think that 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 groundswell support for this movie will actually bode well for the film, especially now that it did get a nomination for original screenplay. I gotta say though, I am extremely pleased that Palm Springs was nominated for original screenplay, but boy, does that movie feel like an original film and it was such a breath of fresh air, you know, to have a movie that was a feel good crowd pleaser, but also a movie that was clever and smart and a romantic comedy in some ways, time loop comedy. But do you think that uh, in this case with the Writers Guild nomination for Palm Springs, do you think that that will give it a boost and that it could land on the Academy Award nominations. Jeff?
2: Uh, yes, I, I actually do. I, I think that Palm Springs is just unlike any other movie in the race, and for that reason, it could stand out. Uh, I mean, I don't ultimately think it's going to be in my final five for the Oscar predictions, just because it's not, I, I didn't love the movie like a lot of people did. If I loved it, maybe I'd be singing a different tune. And I think it is a, a really competitive lineup this year. Uh, where you do have, you know, a movie, an animated movie like Soul in the mix, um, but but I do think it got a bump for sure. I think you have to take it seriously as a contender. Yeah.
0: Hey, Perry. I know you love Palm Springs as much as I do. Do you think yeah. that the nomination here will bode well for Palm Springs' chances in original screenplay for an Oscar nomination?
1: I think it's it's too far outside the bubble to actually get in. But, you know, you could say a WGA nomination is going to give anything a bump out there. But when you look at uh, the most likely contenders, the two that I have in my top five were not eligible for WGA nominations. And essentially those would be swapping spots with two movies that were given WGA nominations in Palm Springs and also Sound of Metal.
0: Okay, I will hold that thought because we're going to get to it in a second. One movie that I I was kind of rooting for, for the Writers Guild, and I'm also kind of rooting for, not sure if it made my top five for the Oscar nominations, was Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which is a movie that, you know, just like uh, Palm Springs and Promising Young Woman and the Father that we saw last year, (laughs) 2020 at the Sundance Film Festival. Do you think that even though the, that was not nominated in this category. Do you think that even that maybe has a shot for an Oscar nomination? Perry?
1: Sadly, no, but I did pick it as my dark horse in the best original screenplay category because I think it deserves to be in the conversation. But I I feel like without that WGA recognition that might've pushed it into uh, some more serious contention, it, it really doesn't stand a chance at this point, sadly.
0: Jeff, what about you? Never, rarely, sometimes, always is that never gonna happen? Or is it a rare shot? Maybe sometimes a movie like this could get in or just, it should always be considered. Tell me, Jeff.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I liked Never Rarely Sometimes Always. Uh, I think it, it may just be a little bit too restrained to get an Oscar nomination. It didn't have these, you know, sort of big fiery monologues or anything like that. It was very subtle work by uh, Eliza Hitman. Um, So I think it's probably on the outside looking in, if it was going to score anywhere, it would have been these WGA nominations. And the fact that it didn't, uh, I I think, is cause for concern. But I do think when Perry says the two movies, which I assume are two of Minari, Mank, and Soul that are going to be on her top five, taking the spots of, of Palm Springs and Sound of Metal, I think Judas and the Black Messiah is the one that's below Sound of Metal for me. Juice and the Black Messiah, I think its problems are at the script level.
0: Huh. Okay, well, we'll get to that in a second. Hang on, hold that thought. Let's uh, get to the, the Writers Guild nominations for Best Adapted Screenplay. We have Borat 2, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, News of the World, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Whoa, I was surprised to see that last one. Perry, what do you think?
1: I am so, so happy to see The White Tiger in the mix. So going into this, we knew that Nomadland and also The Father, which are hot contenders for Academy Award nominations, they're going to get bumped out of the group because they're not eligible. So makes sense to me that these two movies would kind of get in the mix, even though If I were to pick two movies to fill those slots, it might not have been The White Tiger. I didn't think that that one was making enough noise to actually be considered at this point, but I'm so glad that it is in there because I can't recommend that movie enough. I'm so happy for Ramin Barani.
0: The fact that that movie got nominated for best adapted screenplay means a whole lot more people are now going to watch it because it is on Netflix and just go right ahead and watch it. And you should watch it because it is a great movie. Jeff, what are your take? What's your take on the adapted screenplay nominations for the
2: Writers Guild? I mean, I think it was great to see the White Tiger in there, even though I haven't seen the film yet. I was going to watch it tonight. I thought we were taping this tomorrow. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I've heard nothing but good things about that movie. I think it's the dark horse or the underdog that this award season could kind of use just from a, a storyline standpoint. Borat, I don't really understand Borat getting screenwriting nominations just because it seems like so much of that movie is, is improvised or comes out of the reactions of its participants and interviewees. I think this ultimately, even News of the World, um, you know, which was okay, I think this ultimately comes down to One Night in Miami versus Ma Rainey's Black Bottom.
0: Okay, well, now that uh, we've had the Writers Guild nominations, we are going to get into our own picks for screenplay nominations. So let's start with original screenplay. Perry, give me your absolute sure thing must-haves, slam dunks, for original screenplay at the Academy Awards.
1: I think I'm only comfortable saying two at this point. And they're the ones that got Golden Globe and WGA nominations. I'll give you The Trial of the Chicago 7 and Promising Young Woman.
0: Okay. Ooh, only two. Right. All right, Jeff, how about you? What are your sure things for the Oscars?
2: Harry and I, you know, great minds think alike. Those are the two that I would say are absolute locks. And, you know, I, I think that they have very different approaches too. T- trial of the Chicago 7 plays it kind of safe. Promise a Young Woman takes a lot of risks. It's going to be interesting to see which one of those is ultimately rewarded. But but I, I thought Emerald Fennell did a, a great job with Promise Young Woman absolutely
0: great. But so neither one of you have Minari down as a sure thing for a screenplay nomination?
1: I I have it down as number three on my list. I do think it's very likely. And like we said last week, I think that's one of the movies that's going to keep gaining uh, momentum as we get closer to Oscar nomination day. But, you know, right now when I'm looking at my stats card, it doesn't have a Golden Globe nomination, which I know doesn't really matter. And I think Minari kind of was in an unfair position with the Golden Globes in general, but now it doesn't have the WGA nomination. So I kind of just shuffled my rankings around a little, but I still think it's getting in there.
2: I have Minari at three, so <laughs> it continues, Terry. Okay, well, I had, I actually had Minari at two.
0: So, and Promising a Woman was number three for me. So, so we have three. On our list, we have Chicago 7, Promising a Woman, and Minari. So let's, yeah. let's take a look at that number four spot. Perry, what are you going to put down for number four?
1: I'm going with Mank. I'm sticking with the storyline that Mank winds up snagging a whole bunch of nominations and no wins, but I do think it's going to get Jack Fincher a nomination.
2: I also have Mank, even though I, I don't particularly find it uh, deserving. At all. Jeff,
1: I'm pretty confident that we're going to wind up differing on number five.
2: Yeah. You know, I have Mank as my number five
0: for the same reasons that you have it on your list. Not a film that I particularly loved. I thought it was a film that I admired. But I think, you know, it is a movie about the movies and about the only the greatest movie ever made. And I just think that there's uh, a lot of uh, support for a movie like this. And I think that for original screenplay, Jack
2: Fincher makes the cut. I have him at number five. Scott yeah before you give your number four but we i think we have to have the, the main conversation here like right. do you think that that jack fincher is he going to be sort of penalized or will he benefit from his association with, with, with david fincher like is this a sweet story about a son turning his father's unmade screenplay into a movie after death or is this like well this only move this movie only got made because his kid was david fincher
0: uh, I think the former is going to apply in this case. I think the Academy is going to love the fact that David Fincher used his clout, his power uh, to get his father's screenplay made into a film that he directed. Are you kidding me, Jeff? That's like like a Hollywood love story. That's a happy ending that, uh, that, that everyone in the Academy loves. Perry, do you think that it's the former or the latter of what Jeff said?
1: I think it can only work in his favor, but as you guys were discussing it, it did cross my mind. How many voters do you even think are aware? I just wonder how many folks out there tick boxes without necessarily looking at the name attached to a screenplay. And I haven't seen all that many headlines out there basically, you know, putting that in eye-catching headline form. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's overlooked entirely.
2: That's totally fair. And I also don't know what the ballot exactly looks like, if the names of the writers are included or if it's just the title of the movie.
1: I'll tell you, even for critics organizations, every ballot is is almost, I, I guess, every single one is different in terms of whether it requires me to fill in the name in addition to the title or not.
2: I will go. OK, go. And I'm going with Sound of Metal. That is the drum I've been beating all season. I think it's a beautiful screenplay. I think that Darius Martyr may not get a directing nomination, that this may be a way to reward him. Um, And I just didn't really see anything else that I thought was that strong a contender. Like, Soul was good, you know, like, but I didn't think it was amazing, no. All right, Perry, what's what's your
0: last uh, slot?
1: I would really love to see this spot go to Soul, Sound of Metal, maybe Palm Springs, but right now I think I am leaning towards Judas and the Black Messiah, which I feel much more strongly about than than Jeff does, I guess. I I thought that that screenplay was extremely well done to the point that I could not get the movie off my mind after watching it. I still can't right now, but I I think that that is another one that's going to keep gaining momentum as we get closer, and we're going to see... not even just in this category, but more, a lot of people talking about this one.
0: You know, know, Perry, one thing that uh, we haven't really discussed a whole lot, at least on on Collider FYC anyway, is how, you know, HBO Max has been putting all their movies on their streaming service. So let's just say that we went to a, a, a screening of Judas and the Black Messiah, or, you know, we saw it like at the Sundance Midnight Screening or something like that. You know, we would have had to go out to see it again, but you know just seriously last night i was i knew we were going to talk about the film on collider fyc so i just thought oh that's right so i watched it on hbo max and i loved it more the second time it really stayed with me more the second time i think with a film like this you know you're you, you got to sort of uh, absorb it, you know. When you see it, this, this movie the second time, you absorb it better, and and that is why that was Jeff. That was my number four movie on my list. Okay,
2: then then you got to give me like uh, counter arguments here, okay? Go ahead. Which, which movie has more Best Picture heat in your mind, Judas or Sound of Metal?
1: Judas. Mm,
2: I think. Really? I think. I think Judas.
0: I think Sound of Metal. I love the film. I do love the film. I think. It's more about his performance than than the Okay,
2: that is not how I'm reading the the, the tea leaves personally. Uh, I, I see Judas still on the outside looking in in the Best Picture race. I, I think that you know they have a Best Actor contender in Sound of Metal that Judas does not have.
0: Watching Judas and the Black Messiah, I feel like it's a it's a companion film to Trial of the Chicago Seven, two movies that were made before the events of 2020, and two movies that resonate. A whole lot more strongly after the events of 2020, and you know, Sound of Metal is an extremely well-made movie, exquisitely crafted in terms of its just in suspense and intensity, and the the fully realized performance by Riz Ahmed. But I just feel like Judas and the Black Messiah it, it has a more epic feel to it. It has a Shakespearean feel to it which is you know it's
2: also all over the place it's kind of a mess it lose track it loses track of Lakeith stanfield's character in the second half it's not sure who it wants to focus on and and i think that the script is the biggest liability about that film
0: so parry because you were shaking your head in agreement with me i would love to hear your thoughts on this
1: (laughs) well the the point i wanted to make to what you were discussing is i actually think that judas and the black messiah makes me dislike Trial of the Chicago 7 more. And again, I I think Trial of the Chicago 7 is a solid movie. I don't think it's deserving of being in the Academy Award conversation, but it is. So I'm gonna make my predictions that reflect that. But I feel like Judas is the far superior movie and you know, it's a matter of opinion. I happen to disagree with Jeff where I think it not only maintains uh, two points of view but rather three quite well.
0: I, Perry, I agree with you completely. And I also, paranormal activity, agree completely that Judas and the Black Messiah is a better film than Trial of Chicago Seven.
2: I've... we were talking about Sound of Metal, I thought. <laughs> no. There's no question it's better than Trial of Chicago Seven, but whatever. Okay. We can move All right, on. right, but but okay. So
1: Sound of Metal is quite good, but one of the other things that is having me uh, you know, maybe bump it down a couple notches on some list is the fact that Paul Racy is nowhere to be found in the award season conversation thus far, which is making me think that maybe its nomination chances are a little more limited than what I'd like them to be.
2: That's a fair point. But at the same time, Paul Racy is also the only actor this season that has no profile. He's not a celebrity, he's just a guy who came in and hit a home run. So that's why people aren't talking about him. In terms of sound of
0: metal, you also brought up Saul Perry, I think you brought up Saul and Pop Springs. I think all those movies, if I, if any one of those films got nominated for an Academy Award for original screenplay, I would be over the moon, especially, especially Palm Springs, the movie. I just love the pieces. But what's your Dark Horse nomination for original screenplay? Perry?
1: For Dark Horse, I think I already revealed it. I said never, rarely, sometimes, always. If, if that's the one that comes out of nowhere and snags a spot... I'll be thrilled.
2: You're good. (laughs) Jeff? Uh, Palm Palm Springs was my dark horse because it is different than everything else.
0: Okay, Uh, I I love Palm Springs. I think it should be nominated. I, I think because it's such a contender at this point, it's not really a dark horse for me. My Dark Horse original screenplay nomination is going to a film that drops on Netflix this coming Friday, February 19th. And I've talked about this movie on our last show because I love the performance so much. Perry knows where I'm going. It is I Care A Lot. I think Jay Blakeson wrote an amazing screenplay and directed the hell out of this razor sharp dark comedy satire and gave Rosamund Pike the chance to really give one of the best performances of her career. And I say one of the best because she's amazing i mean she was amazing in radioactive private war but my dark horse screenplay and because the movie is dropping now and because more people are going to see it there's a shot between february 19th and the academy award nominations on uh march 15th that this could make the cut if it does i'd be happy so i care a lot is my dark horse all right perry i mean Am I wrong on this completely? What do you think?
1: I'm not going to call you wrong because you never know what's going to happen. And I'm curious to see what the response is to the movie this week. I, I feel very strongly about it. And I think Jay Blakeson is a director to keep an eye on for sure. I think he hit an unfair bump in the road with the fifth wave, but he has quite the skill set and i think he's going to be around for a long time to come but i think that i care a lot in general is such a long shot and the only the only category i think it has even the slightest chance to snag a nomination is is for rosamund pike's performance in best actor and best actress and even then that feels like such a long shot but i don't think anyone is necessarily going to be looking at it in this sense
0: well we shall see won't we? let's move on to adapted screenplay all right jeff give me give me your sure things like like no question about nominations here
2: All right because I haven't seen the father still I'm gonna just give you three and those three are one night in Miami, my Rainey's Black Bottom and Nomadland
0: okay okay those are those are three good ones that I also have on my list Perry, what about you?
1: You know what I'm just gonna go for it and I'm gonna give you five and say this one's done.
0: Wow I'm
1: Say Ooh. Nomadland Yep. Yeah. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Yep. One Night in Miami, yep. The Father, and News of the World. Perry Nemiroff. Wait, wait, wait. Right here. Look at that. Look at that. I got your five right there, my friend. Wait, 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 wait. But are you willing to commit to the fact that these are the five, that we're already locking the five? Right I, now?
2: I have the same five. I,
1: okay.
2: I, I feel so strong
0: about these five because when I was trying to pick a dark horse here, they really, truly were Dark Horses, even though they've been getting attention in some of the other nominations for other award shows and some critics groups or whatever, uh, like obviously Borat 2 uh, at the Golden Globes, but White Tiger now with the, the Writers Guild nomination. Uh, you know, the, the, the Dark Horse here that I mentioned when it came to, uh, I think it was Best Actor for, uh, First Cow was was one Dark Horse. But what's another dark horse that get Perry? Why are you, sh- why are you shaking your head?
1: Because I don't really think that there are like dark horses within reason. I basically limited myself to looking at Borat and the White Tiger, and I purposely picked Borat because I think it is the better chance for the two, but I'd rather see White Tiger get the slot if it comes down to one or the other. But I, I still don't think it's going to happen.
2: All right, Jeff, do you have a dark horse and adapted screenplay? My dark horse was the White Tiger um, just because... I mean, I know Bora got an Oscar nomination for the first film, um, but yeah, I just I just feel a surge front you know based on what I'm seeing on social media about the White tiger. My dark
0: horse here for First cow, it's, it's kind of a dark horse, but for my true dark horse pick, all right, Perry and Jeff, I went with a dark horse that is so dark it is practically invisible. Can you guess what it is? <laughs> I
2: wonder.
0: <laughs> yes, I mean, am I completely out of my rabbit-ass mind for picking the Invisible Man for a adapted screenplay nomination? I mean, it came out a year ago, like literally a year ago, February of uh, two thousand twenty, and it is a freaking great movie. It was one of the best movies of the year. It was an ingenious reimagining of this like classic Universal monster, if you will, and. I have seen that movie five times and I love it. Every time I see it, it says, it's a, it's a, I think it's a a modern classic, not just a horror classic, but just a, a classic because it's just a great movie period. And I think Lee Whannell did a freaking fantastic job writing and directing the hell out of that movie, Jeff.
2: I mean, you don't have to say, oh yeah, it's a dark horse, but am I wrong on Invisible Man? Scott Mance, I don't want to argue with a single word you just said. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I thought Invisible Man was terrific. It's better than 90% of this season's contenders. I just haven't seen Universal mount a campaign on its behalf. Universal, get with the program, Perry. That's... I know you love Invisible Man too.
1: That's the sad truth of it, though. It's like if I, if I were a voting member of the Academy, I would be voting for Invisible Man in, in multiple categories, probably screenplay. I would definitely give it a... Is it even, isn't it not eligible for VFX? Isn't that a thing? Did I just make that up? I feel like I saw that somewhere. But anyway, I would give it a VFX nomination, and I would also give it a cinematography nomination and a score nomination. So I would be voting for Invisible Man all over the place, but there is literally no campaign for it. No campaign at all.
0: None, I say universal, uh, u- universal, come on. I mean, Invisible Man for best picture. Well, we'll get to those nominations. So our our five picks for original screenplay are Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Our picks for adapted screenplay are The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, News of the World, No Math Land, and One Night in Miami. I gotta say News of the World is a movie that I really love. And I've seen it twice now, and it's, it's a movie I really, really wish I could have seen that on the big screen. And I hope when theaters open someday soon that some of these movies that we've had to watch on demand or on a streaming service that were supposed to go in theaters, that they do like a, a Hail Mary and, and put, put some of these movies out in theaters for people who wanted to see them. And that could happen.
2: That could happen. But okay. Okay of the world re-release? You heard it here, folks.
1: <laughs> you genuinely never know, though, because I don't think we're going to snap our fingers and see uh, theaters open up in full force. So they could be doing in more areas of the country what I know they're doing here in New York, because I, I did it, where you can actually rent out a theater just for you. And the way it works here right now is they have new releases that are pricier than if you wanna see something like what I did, Jurassic World, and we rented a theater, me, my sister, her husband, and his brother, just the four of us, wore masks the entire time for $99 and watched Jurassic World on the big screen.
0: Wait, okay, my, my question for you, Perry, of, of all the movies for you to rent out a theater to, Jurassic World.
1: Um, you know how big of a Jurassic fan. So I'm surprised I am. So I'm surprised you're questioning this, but also we did this for my sister's birthday and she chose the movie because she has excellent taste.
0: Okay. Okay. I know you are a Jurassic Park fan and I'm with you on Jurassic Park, but Jurassic World was like a remake of Jurassic Park.
1: I'm a big believer that as someone who loves Jurassic Park so much, it was pretty much impossible for me to not like Jurassic World when that movie is essentially John Hammond's vision coming to life and filling the park with patrons. I loved it.
0: I, I'm going to go one step further with with this. Umpire. I know I'm going way off track here, but I think I'm one of the few people in this entire country who actually loved Fallen Kingdom. I thought it was a great movie.
1: I liked it. I didn't love that one.
0: I just like that they got off the island and they fought out of the box. Okay, enough (laughs) of this Jurassic Park stuff.
1: Never Um, enough with Jurassic Park stuff.
0: (laughs) All right, well, let's move on to our predictions for Best Director, Perry. Who, or rather what films, made your absolute sure thing, slam dunk nominations list for Collider FYC, Best Director nominations?
1: I'm going to give you three locks for this one. Chloe Dow for Nomadland, Regina King for One Night in Miami, and Aaron Sorkin for Trial of the Chicago 7.
2: Okay, Jeff, you? Wow. Uh, I don't know that I would call Regina King a lock at this stage. I think Chloe and Aaron are, are locks, and if I had to give you a third lock, I guess I'd have to go with Fincher. I, I, I think it's going to be tough to ignore him. I, I, you know, even though I thought this movie was his worst film by far, I I do think that he manages to get in.
0: I have my three, my top three are Nomad Land, Trial of the Chicago Seven, and One Night in Miami. Okay. Uh, Mank is not on my list for the reasons that you just gave, Jeff, Um, but I'm still kind of keeping it off my list at the moment because I want to know which one of you, like me, have Emerald Fennell for Promising a Woman on your list.
2: Hiya, Perry. <laughs> Very good.
1: I think she's going to get it.
2: I think so too. Jeff? I have her as the alternate. I have her, I had her at number six. six. Uh, and, I, and I had Regina King as my four. I mean, I do think Regina King gets in there. I just think, you know, she made a movie about people talking in a room. It doesn't exactly scream Best Director nomination. She did a, she did a great job with it. And like I said, I think she gets in, but I don't think she's a lot.
0: The thing about Regina King directing a movie about four guys in a room is that the movie felt so much more than four guys in a room. It felt open. It felt like a film. It felt like it transcended its its origins and took advantage of the medium, even though we wound up seeing it on a smaller screen. But I think she did a fantastic job to, for her feature.
2: I, I agree. And I, I won't disagree with, with that assessment. It, it, she did open it up. But I'm just saying that... that you know, on paper, it's four guys in a room. All right, does Minari make the cut?
1: is my number four.
2: is my number four, too. My number five.
0: So basically, the only movie that we're disagreeing here on, and Perry and I have this on our list, is Promising Young Woman.
2: Right, Overmake,
0: yeah. Okay, so I have
1: Promising Young Woman as my number five.
0: Okay, I have Promising Young, Perry, I'm telling you. Okay, <laughs> so I had Promising Young Woman on my number five, too. I don't have that on my list.
1: I don't have Mank either. Again, I think Mank is going to rack up a lot of nominations. I think this is going to be the big snub for Mank that everyone's talking about, though.
0: We sign off this episode of Collider FYC, that we are going to collectively agree, especially based on a uh, uh, majority rule, you know, there's three of us, that Mank will not be on our list for best director. Is that something that the three of us feel comfortable as a team going forward, with the list where we are not putting David Fincher on our list for best director?
1: Not on my list.
2: I, I, I just, I mean, <laughs> listen, even though I think Promsey Young Woman is so much better than Mank, there's, there's a certain craftsmanship that Mank has that I don't know that Promising Young Woman has.
1: And there's certain themes that Promising Young Woman has and, and certain points that it gets across very, very well because of what Emerald Fennell does that I think is going to push it ahead of Mank.
2: I feel like she could be rewarded as a writer, at, whereas you can't reward David as a writer. And so maybe maybe that's why he gets in. I don't know. You're, I mean, you're right. They don't love Fincher. Like, you know, Zodiac was ignored. Like, they don't love him, but they do seem to respect him. And I just don't know if she's a little too new, a little too TV in, in their minds.
0: But if Mank gets nominated in, like, cinematography, best original score, and even best picture, then not getting nominated for best director obviously it's a slap in the face because I mean, it's so, such a personal film for Fincher and is a making about the making of the greatest movie in the history of movies, not called Jurassic Park. Um, but I do think that, that when I'm looking at the five that we are going to settle on, I feel really good about this. I think if anything happens here, I feel like if Mank does make the cut and it knocks anything off the list, I think the film that to get knocked off will be Minari, not Promising a Woman. I think I think Promising a Woman makes it for all the reasons that Perry that Perry said. Uh, but what should do you have a dark horse here? Do either of you have a dark horse? That,
2: that, that is a good argument. What you just said, though, Mance, that that maybe we're talking about Fincher getting in and Emerald getting in, and it's Lee Isaac Chung who's on the outside because he is definitely doesn't doesn't have the profile that even Emerald has. Uh, I, I could see that happening. I could see I, that.
1: Happening. I debated about the positioning of those two movies. Right now, I do have Minari at four and Promising Young Woman at five, but I would switch it in a heartbeat. I, I think it's totally up in the air. All
0: right, all right. So, so okay. This is see. This is what makes Collider Fyc so great. By the way, is this conversation that we're having right now? Are we prepared? Because I, I feel like you do, Perry. I feel like between Minari and Mank. They they both could make the make the list make the cut for different reasons. Personally, I think Minari is the film that I would go with. It's the movie I would put on the list, and I know it's a film that it, you'll put on the list too. But but does David Fincher as a director get in? Because again, it's not just oh David Fincher directed a movie. It's written by his father. It's black and white.
2: It's very stylized to feel like. And, and the movie Netflix is putting its muscle behind this season. You also have to keep that in mind. No, it's it, it is this season's the Irishman in a sense.
0: All right, so then, so then, okay.
2: The, the, the other thing, and and I and I hate to bring up, I hope that it happens. But if we're talking about Emerald getting a nomination, right? Then you're talking about, and I again hope this happens. Three female directors nominated. Now this is an organization with a terrible track record of nominating women, okay? Two would be incredible. Now we're talking about three out of five. That's a tall order.
1: I'm going to stay hopeful that that happens. And I'm also holding tight to the idea that because the Golden Globes already did it and again created that headline out of it, it is going to make other voters and other guilds feel more inclined to do that themselves. Just at least put the idea in their head because if I were the one picking the deserved winners here, it like, it would be the three of them, no doubt, in addition to whoever fills the other two spots. I'm but I love their work. That
2: Devil's advocate from time to time, you
0: know? Snowflake. Snowflake would like to say a few words and I think Snowflake is a little, uh, you know, I think she's leaning towards mank. You know, she whispered in my ear and said that she feels like Mank is going to make the cut because it's the Academy. And, and listen, uh, OK, thank you, Snowflake,
2: for your your <laughs> sense. OK, um, Let, let's settle on two out of three between Fincher, Emerald and Lee Isaac Chung. First of all, I, I think that absolutely we
0: will see three women get nominated for Best Director. And yeah, the Academy has a horrible history of nominating women as directors, but the Academy is a very different group than it was even just a couple of years ago. So I do think that we are going to see a record year, a a landmark year, a history-making year in Best Director with those three directors getting nominated. So I I just wanted to throw out my dark horse. One of them is I Care A Lot, Jake Blaketon again, you know, the, the writing and the director. Oh, okay, next. <laughs> no, no, listen, this is a dark horse, meaning I'm, I'm not exactly voting, like, saying, oh, yeah, it's a sure thing. I'm saying it could happen. It deserves to happen. And, again, the other dark horse, I, you know, I can see clearly that if Invisible Man gets nominated for Best Director, Lee Winnell would deserve it. So what? That would, that would be cool with me. And Jay you- Blake is a bridge too far, man. And listen, uh, Invisible Man did have the grace of actually playing in theaters uh, before things started to really shut down. But I just want to just make sure that we're not having second thoughts about our list after this conversation about leaving Mankoff. You still feel strongly that Minari will be the number five movie.
1: I, and I hope. again, if I'm having second thoughts on March 10th, when the DGA announces nominations, and then I'll be able to answer that question properly.
0: Okay, hey, all right, then here we go. For the record, our best director nominations predictions for Collider FYC are Leah Chung for Minari, Emerald Fennell for Promising Woman, Regina King for One Night in Miami, Aaron Sorkin, Trial of the Chicago 7, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Are we good? Yes. Did we got this?
1: i didn't say my dark horse though yeah well because i i picked my dark horse with a with a touch of uh, realistic expectations and i'm picking uh the father director florian zeller
2: me, me as well, Perry. I feel like in the director race is always weird. There's always someone who you never expect who comes out of nowhere, and I think it may be this guy.
1: He's another one that if he gets that fifth spot, I think he'd be very deserving of it because that is a great example of a play adaptation where he makes it so incredibly cinematic.
2: And I got to see this movie. Mm-hmm. If we're, if we're talking about if we're
0: talking about another director really making the cut deservedly and a real, real true dark horse. Uh, Kelly Reichert from First Cow, another A24 movie like Minari. I could see that happening, but I doubt it. Otherwise, this episode will go on for another three hours. But uh, there you go. We have our predictions for the original and adapted screenplays and best director. This has been an extremely fun and rewarding episode of Collider FYC. I wish I could give Perry and Jeff a hug, but it's going to have to be a virtual one. So Perry, before we roll out of here, where can we find you? Where could we watch your other non-Collider stuff?
1: You can find, <laughs> now I don't know what to plug anymore. <laughs> I have all this stuff in mind. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PNemroff. You can go peruse my YouTube channel, but I do want to plug the latest Ladies Night with Lily Rabe for her new show. Tell me your secrets. Check it out. It was a great conversation.
2: I am at The Insider on Twitter, Facebook. Cami. I got an interview coming up with the director of Silk Road at the end of the week. So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for the Snyder Cut podcast. And uh, yeah, just more good times with you, Scott Mance. Looking forward to it.
0: Absolutely good times ahead. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Movie Mance. And you can check out my new film YouTube channel at Scott Mance. Check it out. Lots of fun film content there. Uh, Please do subscribe and spread the word. As for Collider FYC, please give this video a like. Please comment below, let us know what you think of our predictions for the nominations. Please share this video, like there is no tomorrow, so you can get the word out there that Collider FYC is back for its best season yet. Even though it's virtual, we are still fully committed to passionate, Full conversations about awards. And make sure you come back next time for a brand new episode of Collider FYC. Until then, FY, see you later.